Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we have been discussing CIC issue number 133, The Priesthood of Every Believer. You can access that article and many others at the website cicministry.org. We're currently on the fourth item that is a part of the priesthood of every believer, and that's binding and loosing. And we gave a definition of that last week and showed how that's been abused both by those with false spiritual warfare teachings and even those with more of a pietistic bent. Today, we want to bring it back and talk about how Luther addressed this issue. Do you want to share that block quote you have from the yeah. third column? We're on page four, if you're following along on the PDF. One thing uh, you'll find about Luther, he's very uh, colorful and forthright in what he has to say, and it's enjoyable reading in a lot of ways. Let me cite, I, I have the complete works of Luther in my Largo software, and here's where, one thing he said about this, issue of binding and loosing, which is forbidding or permitting authoritatively in, on behalf of Christ or the, the church. Here's what he said about it. It becomes indeed a binding of consciences, though falsely and deceitfully, for they bind when there is no reason for it, as in the case of prohibition of marriage and of certain foods, though they, have both, they both have the sanction of God's creation, to absolve, again, among them means to take money for making dispensations in regard to their stipulations and false laws, so that they deceitfully forgive what they have falsely imposed on consciousness, end of quote. Wow. So Figure so, that. How would you like so, to be in that? So they make laws that God hasn't given, and then you get to pay a fee so that you can be forgiven for breaking their fake law. You're falsely bound. You're falsely bound. You have to do this, or you cannot do that, because we said so, and we speak for God. And he mentions prohibition of marriage and foods, which, by the way, the Bible says it's, that's false binding. We know that from the New Testament, and then to absolve, well, okay, we'll give you a dispensation, but wow. you're going to have to pay for it. Wow. So these things, the marriage and foods, which is specifically called the doctrine of demons in the New Testament, they have their own laws for, and if you break their laws, then you have to pay them. Yes. Mind-boggling. It's very uh, awful, but on the other hand, I've talked to people who are still wanting to defend the Roman Catholic Church or Eastern Orthodoxy or maybe just ecumenism, say, well, yeah, but that's a long time ago. But when I got the catechism that came out, I don't know, in the 90s, they keep all of the, it's all in there as if they don't even see the contradictions. Right. And part of this is why it's important we understand the priesthood of every believer, because if you start discussing this with them, they'll say, well, that's actually, that's only for the priests and the nuns. It's not for everybody. Well, we are all the priests of God. 
that they're they're making a false distinction there too and so it's why it's so important that we realize they're the priests aren't in a different category of believers than anyone else yes and if we go back to the scripture alone and so forth last sunday i was teaching and mentioned in acts 20 that when paul went to the to ephesus he addressed the elders presbyteros the overseers episcopos and shepherd told them to shepherd a verb uh which we get our word pastor poemo okay pastor i mean i've said that one correct this is the same group right so the hierarchy gets bigger and bigger and bigger and church history goes along and pretty soon there's this trickle down spirituality right and the people lose access to the throne of grace because it would be too arrogant to think that god would hear a repentant sinner who's trusting christ alone god how, how could God hear you? You've got to go through the channels. Wow. Well, then, like some of the other things we talk about, as history goes on, eventually it ends up with nature worship, ecumenism, socialism, everything under the sun, so that, well, you can do it how you want, but this is what's binding as far as we're concerned. And then a wink and a nod, well, just, you're okay, do, do whatever you have to do. That is not helpful to anyone. And I don't see a way out of it out of, other than going back to the basic teachings of Scripture, uh, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, studying now with the ability we have to search the Scriptures. They're way beyond what could have been done in a synagogue in Berea. Why would we not find out what God said? Exactly. We have so many wonderful tools right at our fingertips. We need to make use of them. We need to be in God's words. We need to be studying and praying about it. We, we need to be Bereans. Yes, and it's a good application. Now, some will say, well, not everybody in Berea believed. That's true. But they're called nobility in kind of a figurative way in the Greek. Okay. They're more noble-minded. And so I was preaching on that once. And I said, well, a lot of cultures have nobility that you're born into, and that's about it. Yes. Although that's kind of, that's a different topic. But this nobility means I want to know whether this is true or not, and I'll search the scriptures to find out. Yes. And not everybody that saw the evidence was willing to welcome it. Okay. But okay they at least realize this is the true claim. The right. scripture really did say that Messiah would hang on a tree and be crucified and be born of a virgin, whatever the claims were. Psalm 110, Psalm 22, whatever they cited. Yeah, it does say that. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean everybody believed, but they understood that Paul and the other apostles, Peter, and then others who preached were telling them what the scripture said. Not everybody will welcome it, but those that do will be saved. Now, compare that to someone today 
the first book that I wrote was about this purpose driven. And I got that out the other day, the version I had marked up that for research, you're supposed to take an oath before you even read what's in the book. Wow. I swear that I'm going to, and then all these things and these big claims. The we need to realize that there really is such a thing as being dead in sin. Yes. And dead sinners don't come alive in Christ by taking an oath while they don't even know what it is they're swearing to. Exactly. And so that whether he says you have to do that, well, if you want to get part of the process, you need to do it. Well, fact is, the gospel is what Christ did for us, not what we're going to do. <laughs> wow. Amen. How much money we gave away, not how pious we are, how many hours we prayed, how long we fasted, how much we pounded our own selves in some uh, monastery. One popular book that we critiqued, the fellow was going to find ways to get um, more pious by going back to Roman Catholic monasticism. Wow. Right. And, and this was a reform teacher. Yes. And when I wrote about it, someone knew the fellow that wrote the book. You could find it. I, I don't remember his name at this point. But they went to him and said, well, see this article? Oh, they're, uh, uh, Bob's taking this too literally. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. I, the claim was made in the book. Right. That in order to grow into the image of Christ, these will be what things that have been proven to work. Um, I'm taking it according to the author's intent. That's whose meaning we need to know. Right. That's how we learn the Bible. And if it was figurative, these things won't really help you get closer to God. But that's what, not what's claimed. But the Bible claims that we grow in the grace and knowledge of God by faith as we come together and break bread, as we talked about. The, the word of God, believing the truth, praying for one another, going to the throne of grace. That's how God changes us. Yes, those are the means of grace. Yes, Jesus said, prayed for his own, sanctify them in, through thy word. Thy word is true. Yes, it was Donald Whitney with the book. That was the book. You yeah. know, a listener just asked me about that, about that yeah. the other day. We do have an article about the Donald Whitney book, and we also did a three-part series on what turns out to be the issues of some of it, which is silence, solitude, and stillness. In that contest, we were context we were talking about Enneagram, but those were the same issues with the Donald Whitney book. Yes, that's that's the person. And maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe he does believe in the authority of scripture, but we have to hold each other accountable. Okay. Yes. Uh, and if there are people thinking if they sit in silence, they're going to get closer to God, that is flat out false. Right. And the we, tricky thing with that book is a lot of what he has in there is the means of grace and it's true and it's valid and it applies to all believers. But then he adds in silence and solitude and journaling 
and things that God has never promised to use to sanctify us. And so then he's doing false binding when he's telling all Christians that they have to journal. I mean, some people like that and some people don't. You have the, you have the freedom to journal or not journal as you see fit, but we can't promise Christians that journaling is going to sanctify them. And really the issue is how are we going to grow in the grace and knowledge of God? So making a false promise, or if what God's provided for all of us only works for some, then there's something that really goes out the window that's essential for anything to be a means of grace. Yes. If you look at Acts 2.42, and you look at the promises of God, they're accessible. I, sometimes I say they're wrong. Accessible. A-C-C-E. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. I, access. Sometimes I'll say it sounds like assess. Well, we should do that, too. Right. We should assess whether this is accessible by God's grace. And we wrote an article about that. You can find it as well. But if you have a means of grace that if some people do it and they can't, they, they get confused or they start hearing demons. I've had many people say that. I don't what is or isn't a demon. They spend enough time in silence and solitude. They start hearing voices. They get imaginations. Uh, come, things coming in their imagination are not right. That's not a means of grace. That's a means of confusion. Right. And if Christ did not ordain that, then it's not a way we have access to the throne of grace. It's not right. It's not what God ordained. Okay. Now, before we run out of time in this episode, I want to make sure we get on to Matthew 18, because that's where we really see valid, um, a valid use of binding and loosing. Right. And uh, I happened to print it out this morning. Okay. Let me read it. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Okay. And it discusses binding and loosing. First of all, it has to do with an individual in the church. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Now that two or three witnesses is found in the Old and New Testament. Okay. Yes, it so is. Now somebody could say, I know Luther sinned, he got married. Right. Well, that's not even a sin, so that's false binding. Mm -hmm. He said yes. And by the way, some people say, well, the Reformation, I've heard Catholics say, he just wanted to get married, so that was Luther's problem. Right. I've heard that one too, but if you act, you know, if you actually know the history of the Reformation, it was quite a while later when he got married. Well, ad hominem arguments always sound good, but they're not valid. Right. So let's go to uh, verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, the two or three witnesses, tell it to the church. Now, who's the church? The church are those who are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are built on the rock, anyone who hears his teachings, says in Matthew chapter 7, and listens to them, means hears with faith and obedience, is building on the rock. 
Let's go on. Let it, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, meaning the church having the binding teachings of Christ and his apostles, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, meaning as far as they were concerned, you're not part of the family of God. Right. Now let's go to verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, the tense in the Greek is important. This okay. means that the apostles to whom this was spoken are those who are to do binding and loosing in Christ's name by his authority. Okay. Then we go to verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, shall be done for them by my fathers in heaven. This isn't carte blanche creating reality. Okay. People who are submitted to God and have access to the throne of grace, and God is taking care of us. Right. Okay. Verse 20, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. In other words, you don't have to have a cathedral for God to show up. Right. And you and don't need a church council to determine every last thing. Well, when church councils speak the truth, what they speak is binding because it is true and it's biblical. Yes. So I'm not going to throw away the doctrine of the Trinity like the heretics do because it's biblical. Right. It's articulated in church councils. The two, the hypostatic union is a good way of describing that Christ is fully human and fully God. We're not, that's provable in the scripture. Right. But if the same church council at some later date comes up and gathers and says something is not true, it's not binding because the people doing the binding are not true apostles. They do not speak bindingly for God. God has spoken once for all in the scriptures. Okay. So that's what binding and loosing is. Well, that makes it very clear. When Jesus was talking about binding and loosing, it was in the context of church discipline. It was not in the context of spiritual warfare. It was not in the context of drawing up church confessions or constitutions. It was about church discipline. And that is how we do proper binding and loosing. Right. When we're not saying that we should be so arrogant is that we don't want to learn anything from church history. Mm -hmm. My first interest upon being converted when I switched from chemical engineering studies as a junior to Bible college, they had summer courses. The first one I wanted to take was early church fathers, the Antonician fathers. Okay. And I've always had an interest in church history. And then again, later in seminary, years later, but you read enough church history, you realize it's mostly history of error. Yes, it sure right? is. And so if we can't go back to the scriptures, we can't get free from error. Now, let me cite um, something I said about Luther's quote here. Now, as we're looking back to this binding and loosing, having been done once for all. Okay. By Christ and his apostles. And here's how I would see this as abusive. This is in the article that we're discussing. So they made laws up 
as they went along, bound people to them, placed them under false guilt, and then made these oppressed people do whatever Rome required to gain release. Yes. You must obey us, and that's our law, and you better do it. And if you didn't, you're a wicked sinner. And if you want to get rid of your sin, we'll tell you how to do it. Right. And then as we see how that actually played out in church history during the Reformation, what ended up happening is they they excommunicated those who were contending for the gospel. And then and then at the is it Trent, the Council of Trent, where they right. ba- basically anathematized the gospel itself. Yes. And it pays to study these things. Yes. As they keep getting redone by some other form. Okay. And I have done that and have written about it. So if you don't obey us, anathema. Right. In Luther's day, I'm quoting his article, that meant making false laws and then making people pay to settle the penalty for violating them. Okay. They were able to, now I'm going to quote Luther, regulate the money pouches of all the earth, unquote. Oh, wow. We're going to regulate the money pouches. If you want to get better. Now, people will say, you're so harsh. Now, uh, I, I, I I'm, have many relatives that are in Roman Catholic churches, and nobody's doing that. Well, okay, so the Pope now is a nice guy, and he's a Mother Teresa, or whatever, however you want to portray it. Mm-hmm. And it could be some other group. But the issue is, how do you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're clean by the blood of Jesus shed once for all, that you're trusting him, that you're looking forward to the resurrection of the dead unto eternal life, and that when you die, because you're trusting Christ alone, you go to be with him in heaven. How do you know that? We can only know it from God's word. Exactly. And so this will just get repeated and the trend is toward nature worship or um, universalism. And so as the history goes on, well, yeah, but you're going back to trend. Now we have this and this and this. We don't need all of this layers of confusion and tradition and false binding and false loosing. We need the grace of God to change anybody. Amen. I want to share this quote that you have in your article from Luther. Because I think it's, (laughs) I I just love quoting Luther. (laughs) He's funny. He is. But, But here's what he says. To bind and to loose clearly is nothing else than to proclaim and to apply the gospel. For what is it to loose if not to announce the forgiveness of sins before God? What is it to bind except to withdraw the gospel and to declare the retention of sins? Whether they want to or not, they must concede that the keys are an exercise of the ministry of the word and belong to all Christians. Amen. That's what Luther said. It. Uh, it's so powerful. And we might say, well, we just want to, we don't believe that. We're not Roman Catholic. We have a big church. We want people to come to church and uh, have a place to bring their kids, which is all good. 
But if we don't preach the gospel, if you never even hear it, and all you learn is how to have a better life through religion, that's what's drawing the means of forgiveness just as well. Yes, it sure is. All right. So before we run out of time here, you've got some interesting quotes in this article. Do you want to share those with us? Well, this is what I wrote about Luther's claim in his day and what that applies to us if it is indeed biblical, which I believe it is. Okay. Those who come to Christ agree that he is the head of the church and that his teachings are binding. He has revealed the the terms of forgiveness. When we preach the gospel, we make clear the terms of entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Those who believe are loosed from Satan, meaning they're no longer in darkness. I'm commenting on that. Okay. This is my quote. And have forgiveness of sins. And then uh, if we don't declare the true means of entrance into the kingdom of God, which will go on for eternity, there's no kingdom on earth until the king returns, but names are being added to the book of life. Yes. Okay. If we don't declare the means of forgiveness and knowing that we're part of the body of Christ, knowing that we're being built upon the rock and that we're part of this and that we have his promises, then we have nothing but religion, even if it says Christianity on the banner. Yeah. And so that's what is that issue. And to put all this out there, it's not wrong for people to be able to pay their bills and gather and enjoy a beautiful place to gather. But if you don't have forgiveness of sins, what do you have? Nothing works, honestly. I'm going to say nothing, but right. what you, what's left is works righteousness. It's all that's left is works, not grace. And then one more quote from Luther. Next time we'll do uh, the priesthood is about to offer sacrifice. Okay. That's very interesting. But here's what he said. Luther showed that Rome abused the keys in this manner. Quote, by their binding, they despise the gospel, and by their loosing, they exalt their own traditions. They have lost both the authority and use of the keys by their perverse and impious abuse, unquote. Wow. That is very true. Every time we talk about this, I remember when... Um, couple of us, a Lutheran friend of mine and I were out there. He already lived out there. And we heard uh, that whole big purpose-driven convention that was going to have a three-legged stool and change the world for better. Right, which all came to nothing. Never happened. Yeah. When, when he asked the question about forgiveness of sins, it was literally stunning. Wow. And um, it, because he'd lived out there and spent when the, the entire thing with all these people from all over the world and all of these dignitaries and all this music and all these things, I haven't heard anything yet about forgiveness of sins. Okay. That's what he said. Wow. And I'll never forget that. If we don't have that, 
what use is it if we build a massive crystal cathedral or anything else like that, as Robert Schuller did, or we have a dome to find your best life now? What if you don't have forgiveness of sins? Wow. Life is pretty you've short. Got nothing. You don't have anything. Yeah. You have religion. Yeah. Okay. So in that regard, next time we'll talk about what kind of sacrifices can be offered that would be pleasing to God. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.